Hello and welcome back to another episode of Well Then, a podcast where we take a mind-body-spirit approach to living our most vibrant, healthy, and love-filled lives. Today is another two-part episode where in the first half we're going to dive into a conversation about how self-care impacts our love lives, how it impacts our dating and the relationships that we choose to show up in. And then in the second half of the episode, you will get another opportunity to hear from one of our self-care space members, my self-guided therapist therapy app and mental health community for women, something that I am so, so proud of and am so in love with all of the women who make up this community because they show up so vulnerably and heart open. And it's just such a wonderful thing to get to share space with them as they heal through their past and step into a more expanded version of themselves. So we have one of our longtime self-care space members, Samya, coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited for you to hear from her. But first, as promised, let's dive into a conversation about self-care as it relates to our relationships, our love lives, and dating. No matter your relationship status currently, this is relevant to you. Now, when we talk about the concept of self-care, you've probably heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. We often think of the kind of, you know, superficial, social media, Instagrammable versions of self-care that we often see online, like doing a face mask and having a whole skincare routine and taking an Epsom salt bath and taking care of yourself in those more kind of aesthetic ways. And while those things are wonderful and absolutely have their place in time and are warranted, and it's great, shouldn't get rid of that, the self-care that I spend a lot more time focusing on and talking about are those deeper levels and experiences of self-care that are not actually always so glamorous and pretty. Sometimes real self-care is quite uncomfortable. Sometimes it causes us or forces us to confront parts of ourselves that we've been hiding or repressing for a long time, things that we might feel shame or embarrassment or judgment about. And in the facing, in the confrontation of those parts of ourselves, we can experience big emotions and ultimately can experience healing and shift and transform and show up in new ways for ourselves, for our relationships, and for the people around us. And so I define real self-care as that kind of deeper inner work. And in a lot of ways, the way that we'll be talking about it today, I think that self-care is actually very, very intrinsically tied to inner child healing or inner child work, which If you've never heard of it before, um, we'll do a whole deep dive episode just on that. But basically, inner child work is the process of opening a dialogue and developing a relationship with the younger versions of yourself that very much still exist in your psyche that are probably versions of you, um, ages at which you experienced pain or trauma or wounding or even just misunderstanding that led to what we call like little t trauma, those little moments where we felt unloved or unworthy or our needs weren't being met, we felt not seen or not understood. Those things can have a lasting impact on us, especially when they occur at a young age, a formative age when our brains and our nervous systems are still wiring in terms of how we see ourselves and our place in the world around us. And when we learn that maybe we 
are not lovable or not worthy of being taken care of or of our needs being met or we're just not modeled a healthy way to do that from the adults in our lives when we're little it can kind of set us up for this um, dysfunctional relationship with self-care and most people either go to one extreme or the other if or you know you can fall anywhere on the spectrum but we'll use the two more extreme examples of a either being over the top doing all the things like you over schedule your day with every single possible thing you could do from fitting in your workouts to reading the books and listening to the podcasts and you know eating nourishing food and going to therapy and doing all the things in the name of self-care but really it might be a little bit self-destructive and lead to burnout because you're not creating space for rest and integration And then there's the opposite end of that, where you might lack self-discipline entirely because, again, it wasn't taught or modeled to you, or maybe there's a sense of rebelliousness of like, I don't want to do things that I don't want to do or that I'm uncomfortable with, and so I'm not going to make myself. And then we can end up in this place where we're not holding ourselves accountable at all, and we're not going after our goals, and we're not doing the hard things or taking care of ourselves in ways that really matter and that are important. And when you're, in, when you're on either end of that spectrum and then you approach dating and relationships from there, it is usually a recipe for disaster because the people who are end of the, on the end of the spectrum of like overdoing it and perfectionism and doing all the things are usually also people who fall into the category of um, people pleasers um, or hyper-independent people. So you might be... Um, kind of one to sacrifice more of your needs to continue to meet the needs of others or you might be somebody who's so independently driven that you're like I don't need anybody and then it's hard to have close intimate relationships from there and then the person on the end of the spectrum who's lacking self-discipline and self-sabotaging if you don't have a model for how to truly take care of yourself and nurture yourself in relationships then it's hard to experience a, a balance of healthy love Um, with another person because again you're either just going to put your focus on them and instead of taking care of yourself you're taking care of them at to your own detriment Um, or you might have seen a pattern whether it's with yourself or people you know people in your life who there can be a kind of codependence where one person isn't taking good care of themselves, is self, self-sabotaging, maybe engaging in numbing behaviors or addiction. And um, the other person, you know, it wants them to change. And it's it's really hard to be in relationship with somebody who ultimately doesn't love, for, love themselves or care for themselves. I also think that not having regular self-care practices can make dating a lot harder because let's be honest, <laughs> Dating can bring up some big emotions, whether you're casually dating, trying to find somebody that you um, connect with, or you're in a relationship, either way, those relational experiences tend to be mirrors that trigger oftentimes some of our deeper wounds, which is one of the main reasons it's important to do this work so that we're not showing up in present or future relationships with lots of past stories defining us and the way that we act. But also because it's inevitable that we're going to experience those big emotions. And if we don't have the self-care practices in place to know how to support ourselves 
through those feelings, it's ultimately going to lead to more unhealthy, numbing, dissociative type behaviors because we don't know how to feel the feelings. So again, when I'm talking about self-care here, it really comes down to this idea of like, what are the things I'm, I'm really doing to prioritize creating a safe space for myself and for all those younger versions of me who maybe didn't get the love or emotional attunement that I needed when I was little? And how, how can I become that loving parent, that safe space and container for myself now? And that's why I think that self-care in this context is really intricately um, connected to the conversation around inner child healing because, again, you're learning to care for yourself just like you would care for a small child who needs love and who needs help understanding what to do with their big emotions and who needs help processing. And when you become that space for yourself, first of all, you just start to trust yourself more. Second of all, you begin to outsource those needs to other people less and less. So your relationships can become more emotionally healthy, more emotionally pure, because you're not relying on that other person to figure out what you're feeling and figure out what to do with it and to just anticipate all of your needs. You're instead able to communicate those needs yourself. And I think that if you're in a place where you're single right now, like either actively dating or intentionally single, um, it's a really great time to start to implement those foundational self-care practices and look at how am I really nurturing myself, mind, body, and spirit. Because once you have some familiarity, you've done the research of as far as what works for you and what practices make the biggest difference for you, then you will go into a relationship with a stronger sense of self-identity so you'll know what is going to be most important to keep you centered and grounded while developing a strong bond and connection with this person. It, it is a big shift to go from independent and relying only on yourself to then being in a relationship and learning to be interdependent and to rely on another person as well as yourself. And one of the things that I learned, you know, very much throughout my early 20s and in my early relationships um, and have also seen time and time again with many of my clients is the importance of remaining, uh, of retaining rather your individuality in relationships and distinguishing between individuality and hyper-independence. So it's normal that in relationship, you're going to depend on somebody more. Your lives are going to be joining and interconnected. And there are realities of having to take another person into consideration every time you make decisions when you choose to be in a relationship. So the dependence part is not a bad thing, but the individuality is important to, to maintain because you don't want to lose your sense of self just for the sake of feeling loved by another person. You want to be two whole, healthy, happy, complete people coming together to enhance and complement one another's lives, not complete each other. Um, so I think that having self-care practices is a really great way to do that because then when you are in the relationship at whatever point and you, I, you guys come across, you know, 
stressful or overwhelming or challenging times, you're then able to communicate like, okay, it's really important for me that I get my daily meditation in, or it's really important for me to prioritize sleep. So I need us to make sure that our date nights don't go too late or that, you know, we trade off and split responsibilities in the morning of like who gets up early to walk the dog because I know that when I get sleep, I am better able to be a more compassionate, more loving, more centered and grounded version of myself. And that's important to be able to identify the things you need to show up as the most open-hearted, loving version of yourself in a relationship. And I really think that that does start with defining what that self-care routine or those practices look like for you when you're on your own, when you're in that space of individuality and, and really um, sort of honing in on your self-identity. And I also don't want you to feel like shamed or wrong or bad if you are far from being able to figure out what that is. I definitely spent a lot of time in the place of like overdoing it and trying to do all the things and not really knowing what was important to me or what my identity was because I was so lost in the patterns of perfectionism and people pleasing and giving my power away. And so it took a long time to really practice and continue to reinforce the things that I wanted to train my brain and body and nervous system to be familiar with and then to kind of weed out the noise like, okay, what are the things that actually make a difference for me? What are the ways that I really do feel nurtured and, and when I care for myself that I feel supported? And what are the things that I'm just doing because I saw somebody else doing it on social media or I read somewhere once and decided that I needed to be doing this thing? Like, what can I let go of and let fall away just as much as what can I incorporate? So the reason I'm not giving super specific practices here is because I think we all have different ways that we need to be cared for and nurtured and identifying that for yourself is really important. Um, you know, within the self-care space and within a lot of the work that I share on social media and with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, we're able to go through specific practices and identify like, okay, what are the things that need to be in your toolkit? What makes you feel the most supported, the most cared for? Um, but for now, it's just an invitation to consider how your self-care or lack of self-care is impacting your relationship with yourself and how it might be impacting your the relationships around you um, or your dating life in general. And if you feel like it's not working for you, it's just an invitation to consider like, okay, what might need to shift? How can I better show up and be that loving adult for my inner child? How can I really care for and nurture myself like I'm somebody that I love? And at the end of the day, I think that's really what it comes down to is how can we care for ourselves like we are somebody that we love, like we are somebody that matters. When you begin to approach yourself in that way, that's when your relationship with yourself, with your inner child, with all of the things that make you you really begins to shift. So I love this conversation. I'll continue to return back to it again and again because I think that self-care is such an important part of dating and relationships. And we can also talk more in the future about how self-care practices might change in the context of being in a long-term committed relationship when you have that other person to consider and how to actually communicate your needs and your boundaries and to be receptive to your partners as well. Um, as always, if you're curious to learn more about 
either this topic or want me to dive deeper on other topics in this realm, um, feel free to send me a message or a question because I do take suggestions for solo topics on the podcast. And now moving on to part two of this wonderful episode, I'm so excited to share this conversation with Samia with you. Um, Like I said, she's one of our members of the self-care space and she has been for quite some time now and is just such a valuable part of our community. And she has such great insight and wisdom about her personal growth and healing journey to share with you and what her relationship with self-care has looked like in a really practical way. So let's dive into that conversation. Okay. Hello, love. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I have loved getting the opportunity to connect with you in the self-care space over the past like couple years now. <laughs> and yeah. I'm really excited to just get to hear more about your story and have more people hear about your experience in this space and the things that have come up for you, the things you've learned and the things you've transformed since being a part of this community. So I would love for you to kick it off just by telling us a little bit more about your kind of um, self-care mental health journey when it comes to where you were before joining the self-care space and what the journey has looked like since then. Yeah, um, I would have to say that before I started the self-care journey, I've always been really open to um, mental health and mental health awareness. I've always been involved in initiatives um, through my academic career in that respect mainly trying to help others. And it may seem weird, but it's almost like you almost forget yourself in the process. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah. So at a certain point, things in my life became very high pressure. Um, and I was putting so much of myself out there that, you know, sometimes that dogma really comes around back to you and you start thinking, well, I should be taking my own advice mm-hmm. and, um, taking what I'm learning for helping others in applying it to myself as well. And it can be quite hard to do so because you might feel guilty about taking time for yourself, or, um, you may not know how to address yourself or you may not understand yourself as well as you feel like you understand others. So I was definitely at a point where things were getting very stressful for me. And I noticed my health deteriorating no matter how much I was trying to help others. So there was a point I did have to take a step back and, um, over the course of years prior, I had seen the self-care space come online and pop up and really just kept an eye on it. And it eventually came around to me that I really wanted to see what it was about. So I signed up for it and, um, that's where it all began. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so relatable and it's certainly something that seems to be a theme I've been talking a lot about lately to my clients and in my own personal life of how, how common it really is for women, especially to put themselves last. Like, even if you're somebody who, like you said, is actively engaged in learning about how to, um, you know, create resources and guidance for other people to support their healing or mental health, that sometimes we often think about ourselves last and, and are so, um, 
you know, wrapped up and enmeshed in helping others that we forget that we have to fill our own cup up first. We have to be a little bit selfish before we can be that resource for other people. So exactly. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you finally realized that because I can definitely relate to the deteriorating health piece. And it's, it's incredible how much of a physical impact Um, it can have when you're not taking care of yourself and prioritizing your mental and emotional well-being. So I hope that you've seen an improvement in those physical symptoms since starting this work. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it was, it was extreme enough that I actually thought it was something physical and was seeing a doctor and had blood work done And it just was like, maybe it's not my body per se, but something in my brain that is affecting my body, you know, how stress can do that cortisol levels and everything. So I really started to, you know, look inward and decide that maybe I needed to address this more specifically to myself and kind of see where it leads me. Cause of course you don't know what you're putting yourself into. Right. If you don't truly understand what's wrong or how you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is all so interconnected, our, our thoughts, our emotions, our stress levels, our physical body, but we're taught to look at everything, you know, individually, like Western medicine just looks at the symptoms. It doesn't look at the whole person. And so it does take that that work of like taking a step back and looking at the big picture and really understanding like, okay, what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing that I personally, it was really important to me when it came to the self-care space and my work in general is having really well-rounded holistic offerings for people because there is not a one size fits all prescription for every single person. Like some people can use, you know, more embodiment practices and like getting more into their physical body and experiencing their feelings. Whereas other people need more like mindfulness based techniques and like quieting their mind and working with their thoughts. And everybody shows up with different history and stories and trauma and things they need to move through. And so that's why I wanted to create like this place that is kind of a one-stop shop with lots of different little tools and resources you can try and see what works best for you. So for you starting to immerse yourself in this work, what was it that stood out to you as like, oh, okay, these are the things, the practices or the habits that are making an impact for me? Oh my gosh. Um, well, you're right. Like there is no one size fits all. There are times where I've been working through the program where I find that a specific like month program isn't really impactful to me because it seems like that is something I've already well developed. I understand that and I get through it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are those things that say like uncovering childhood traumas, things that I didn't even remember or have put so far back in my mind that I don't realize how they've shaped and affect my, um, world today. Mm-hmm. And those months, I, it might take me a couple months to get through it because I'm processing, um, what's going on and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And I've definitely felt shocked and upset and just trying to figure out a way forward where I understand that part of myself and am able to integrate it with who I am today 
and understand the way I approach things may be based on my past experiences, even if I didn't realize they were there. Yeah. And go ahead. (laughs) Oh, no, No. I was just going to say it's that's like this whole idea of the body keeps the score and our body storing these past emotions and memories, experiences, traumas, even though we might not cognitively remember them or they're not right on the surface, like our body does have an imprint of those things that have happened in the past. And so it's really valuable to start to slowly uh, peel back and uncover those layers so that they're not driving the ship unconsciously anymore for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely have to say like, I've always been an empathetic person towards others. Mm -hmm. I've always felt really keenly how others feel and put myself in their shoes, but I've never been truly empathetic with myself. I've kind of just been cool towards myself. Like I'm not overly emotional as a person. And over the past work I've done through the self-care space, it's become actually pretty hard for me to adjust to having feelings for myself, like understanding that what I may be feeling may not be external, but internal. Mm -hmm. And that working through that has been really interesting. And I do think it's making me a better person. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy for anyone that deals with it, but it's definitely helped develop my sense of self And it's helped me apply it even more strongly to my sense of empathy towards others too. Yeah. I mean, that is so huge. And and I think you really are spot on with, with something you shared there, which is that like, first of all, yes, it's hard (laughs) when we dive into this. It's not like you just see the pattern and then everything's different in your life. It's all easy, smooth sailing from there. Like it's definitely painful and confronting and it, it takes courage and bravery to really dive into this work. But something so beautiful comes out of it. One, which is the self-love that you mentioned and that greater capacity for love and compassion for yourself. But it does also give you greater compassion for other people because the more you have the ability to see and understand where your own patterns have come from and your own uh, pain that you've experienced and wounds from the past, you are better able to understand that other people have their stories too. And you might not Mm -hmm. know what it is specifically, but like, there's just that human element of it of like, okay, we've all experienced to some degree, some form of pain in our lifetime. And when you've really felt the depths of that, it's hard to not be more loving towards other people. Yeah, exactly. And it, I find that it has two sides. Like there's obviously a very positive side. And then I've struggled with the negative side of being overwhelmed by my emotions, which I'm not used to. I've been able to keep those on a lid under a lid for almost 15, 16 years and really letting it out and letting, opening those up. Like that has been a huge change in myself and my life. And some days you don't know how to handle it, but continuing to work through the program has helped me figure out how to handle it and how to express it. Like I figured out writing things out, spending hours, just pouring it out in pencil has been immensely helpful instead of just cooping it up and letting it build up and not knowing how to handle it. Like those kinds of things, I 
I'm actually super excited that I'm learning it about myself, even though it is totally scary some days. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you shared that because that's some something that like the further away I get from it, the more I tend to forget. But the, I, in the beginning of my journey, I really experienced that as well. I was used to like controlling my emotions really well and keeping things bottled up and like having, yeah, having this like attachment to the way that I showed up in the world and what I felt and didn't feel and, and didn't realize the extent to which I had the ability to feel. And so when all those things started coming to the surface, it was scary at times, like, oh my God, why am I just like bawling right now for no reason? Or why do I feel angry? (laughs) And it can be scary, but is so, so valuable and just transformative throughout your whole life of every area of your life. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. I might as well be honest about it because it can be scary enough that I've, you know, stopped doing the self-care space for a month or two just to kind of come to terms with what I'm feeling and what I've learned about myself. There, like there were bombshells in my past that I didn't realize affected me the way they did. And it was weeks until I could go back and move on from one portion of it and having to have reconciled it within myself before I could move on. Yeah. Um, And that's one thing I try to normalize a lot in the community and in this work that like, there will be periods where you're deep in it and you're uncovering things and like really showing up for the work. And then there needs to be periods where you just integrate and like, you're taking a break from it all and you're, you're living your life and just, yeah, allowing what came up to integrate without having to actively be so involved in the work. That's, it's like taking rest days from working out. It's just as important. Yes. And that's, that's definitely something I really enjoy about it is that you can take it at your own speed. Mm -hmm. Um, you can always come back to it. I've gone back to certain months when I've realized another month has opened something up. And I know there was a month prior to that, that worked on something similar. So I'll go back and readdress it and really look at it. And sometimes the way you approach it changes. And it's been really interesting for me to, it's just such incredible self-work, I would say. Like I'm so used to doing it externally for everyone else. Doing it for myself has been super fun (laughs) overall. I mean, everything you've shared already is like such a major win in my book to see like, wow, like that just the transformation that occurs when you learn to put yourself first, when you learn to feel your feelings, like all these different things. Are there any other big wins that you would say you've experienced in your, any area of your life since starting this work and in the self-care space? Um, Yeah, I would have to say in my personal relationship with my significant other, I used to bottle things up, not talk about things. If we got in a fight, we would go to our separate corners. I would just deal with it how I saw fit. He would deal with it, how he saw fit. And eventually once we'd calm down, we'd be able to just move on. Like it didn't happen. But as we all know, some things that don't go addressed faster and the self-care space has really helped me realize the way I'm communicating with others about how I'm feeling and that I can't just walk away from everything that I need to talk about things Mm. and having 
some discussions with my significant other, we have figured out that it's going much better whenever I'm blunt and forward about how I'm feeling, what I need, and what's really bothering me, whether it has something to do with him or not. Sometimes it's just a horrible day and we'll get in a fight because I don't feel good, but it has nothing to do with him. And when I, once I've realized to really pinpoint what's bothering me, we've made those into creative discussions where he doesn't feel attacked or understands it's not his fault. And that has been a major win. There have been years where we've been in that odd stalemate of communication. And it just feels like the past year and a half has really opened that up for us. Yeah. Wow. That is huge because healthy communication is the foundation of a re- any good relationship. So yeah. That, that is massive for sure. But congratulations yeah. on, on doing that work and, <laughs> and showing up for yourself and your relationship in that way. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been a positive for us. Yeah. I can imagine. So last question I always love to ask people who come on the podcast is just to share if you have one favorite daily wellness practice or habit that you cannot live without, what would you say is like your go-to? Um, I would say definitely over the last couple months, I've realized that I definitely feel like when I put the effort in for myself in the mornings, after I get up, I immediately get ready for the day. Um, I'll put on a little bit of makeup, just something to make me feel like I'm prepared for the day. And that has helped immensely with my day-to-day life. It's a little self-care practice that if I don't do, I definitely feel off all day and I feel kind of down. Um, so I would have to say developing little things that I purely enjoy doing for myself, um, has really helped. And I didn't realize that prior, like that definitely came through the self-care space to take that time for myself, whether it's a couple minutes or every now and then it's an entire day. Yeah. Oh, those days are the best. Yeah. (laughs) I love that so much though, because first of all, nobody's shared that before as their favorite practice. And I love when I hear something new and also because I've said this before, but I really think that self-care and self-love are about those small in-between moments, like the little things that add up. And it's not always like when you get a massage or like schedule a whole day for journaling and meditation and all the things. It's like the five minutes that you took for yourself to make yourself feel confident in the morning or yeah, whatever it is that makes you feel connected to you. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to say, I definitely tried, you know, the bigger stuff before like doing something like journaling every single day. And what I found is based on how hectic my schedule is, sometimes it feels more like work to carve out that amount of time for a self-care practice that then it doesn't feel like self-care anymore. And when I realized what really like boosts my mood can take as little as five minutes in the morning to do, I've really stuck with that because it is something I can do and manage almost daily to make myself feel better and feel good and ready to tackle anything that comes up. 
Yeah. Oh, so that's so relatable. Thank you for being so yeah. relatable. <laughs> it's so easy to want to go to that like default answer of like, oh yeah, I meditate all the time or like, like <laughs> breath work, but like, let's be real. We're human beings. Yeah. Life's not perfect. No. I've definitely tried and I've definitely struggled with the time management part of that. And, you know, you just have to figure out what makes you happy. And that is it. Frankly, it's pretty simple. Yeah. That's the beauty of it is that we are all uniquely different in the best ways. And when we get out of the mode of comparison of trying to follow somebody else's routine or schedule or protocol, and we do what works best for us, that's when we really start to see and feel the changes in our lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for for sharing those pieces of your story. And thank you for being such a wonderful member of our community too. I love every time I see your face pop on at an event (laughs) and group coaching, like it's, it's just, you have such a warm, welcoming, loving presence about you. And I'm so, so glad that you're a part of our, our space. No, thank you. And I really love being part of it. It's been super fun. And I honestly wish I could spend more time doing it, but every now and then, you know, things just go crazy in your life. (laughs) Yep. Again, relatability. That's the being human element. (laughs) And I'm sure people listening to this right now will relate to so much of what you shared. And so if any of them have questions about your your story or anything like that, I'll I'll make sure to send you an email and see if there's anybody who wants to connect. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah. And again, for people listening, if you want to learn more about any of the resources that um, were shared about today, just join the self-care space, come be a part of our community and, and we'll see you in these events and programs and all the things. And thank you again for, for coming on and hopefully we'll have you back at some point to, to expand and share more layers and levels of your story. Cause some of the things that you reference of like, what's been coming up for you, I'm, I'm so curious to like dig deeper and, and ask yeah. more questions about. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely been an experience and a journey for sure. Yeah. Well, can't wait to dive deeper. If you liked what you heard and you are curious to learn more about the self-care space and pursuing your own self-healing journey, you can check out the show notes or visit yourselfcarespace.com to get a seven-day free trial to our membership and sign up for either a monthly or annual subscription from there. You will get access to all of our self-guided healing programs, our weekly and monthly group coaching sessions, and healing workshops with therapists, psychologists, and other holistic healing practitioners. You'll get access to our monthly accountability challenges, our private group of women, and so much more. It's really such a wonderful membership, and I cannot wait to meet you in there. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Well Then podcast. If you have questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions for topics for future episodes, feel free to send me a message on Instagram at Megan Scherer. Um, you can email me, check out my website as well to learn more about the work that I do if you want to dive deeper onto your own personal healing journey with more individualized support. And as always, until next time, have a happy, healthy, and love-filled day.